So, I have a friend who doesn't believe in God anymore. And he told me that at about 9.30 on a Sunday morning at a McDonald's that was across the street from the church that in less than an hour, we were going to be on stage together leading worship at. So when he told me, I, I wasn't mad. I wasn't, I wasn't even really confused. I was just interested. Because this wasn't just a friend. It was someone that I had done life together with for, for a couple of years now. Like we, we not only were on the worship team together, but we also served in the youth ministry together. We had done camps together. We had done conferences together. Like we had done the whole Christian like gamut of things that you're supposed to do. But then at 9.30 in the morning at a McDonald's, he decided to tell me he doesn't believe in God anymore. So um, I started asking questions and we started talking a little bit and it, it seemed pretty quickly that it wasn't that he didn't believe in God anymore. It was more about that he didn't believe in church anymore. So we started talking about the people. We started talking about some of the things that had happened to him, uh, some of the people who like really, really down deep hurt him and how some people had abandoned him, some people had lied about him. Um, and, and it was just to a point where it was too much for him. And he started talking about like our town and we lived in a small town at the time and he talked about how there were about like 40 churches in that small town. But yet in that same small town, there was still like, mass amount of like poverty and, and there were people who were going to sleep hungry at nights and there were people that were like actively hurting yet in this small town there were so many churches but yet nothing was happening there, there was no change and if we couldn't do it on that small of a scale what was the chance that we'd have to be able to do it like ever Finally, uh, he gave what I think was the worst indictment of the church. Uh, he said that our church had become so interested in ourselves and us staying comfortable and us in doing what we enjoyed that we no longer cared about people outside of our doors. And if you've ever like been a part of a church or like really given time to one, if somebody says that about your church, it kind of hurts. It kind of like hits you deep. So. Uh, maybe two weeks later, I found myself at a large uh, Christian conference. You know, those like the big ones with the big stage and the lights and the sound and the energetic speaker in his mid-20s who comes up wearing a suit and tells you you need to change your life now. And I don't think that they were disingenuous. I, I don't think that there was anything wrong with what they were doing. But as someone who had just had that conversation, and it was still like echoing in the back of my mind the entire time I was there, I couldn't help but look around and go, is this it? Like, like is this really it? Is this what Jesus had in mind when the apostles set up the first church in Acts? Is this what they were going for? There's a passage in the book of Luke um, where Jesus is having a meal with um, some religious leaders at the time. And before they have the meal, they would do all of this like hand washing ceremonies and this, this very, you know, religious ritual before they would go and eat together. Um, and Jesus comes and sits down the table and he skips like all of it. 
So uh, the religious leaders at the time come to him, and they begin to question him on why didn't you do any of it? Uh, here's how Jesus responds. Um, it should be up on the screen too. Uh, then the Lord said to him, now then, you Pharisees, you clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but the inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But as for what's inside of you, be generous to the poor and everything will become clean. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint and your rue and all of your garden herbs, but you neglect justice and love for God. You should have practiced the latter with leaving the former undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogue, respectful greetings in the marketplace. Woe to you, you are like unmarked graves which people walk over without knowing. One of the experts in the law answered him, Teacher, you know when you say these things, you insult us. Jesus replied, You and you experts in the law, woe to you because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry, and you yourself will not lift a finger to help him or help them, sorry. Um, it, it's really interesting because over and over in the New Testament, especially when Jesus deals with Pharisees or religious leaders uh, or anyone who claims to be on the inside of the system, anyone who claims to know the one true God and be walking in his ways and practicing these religious ceremonies, uh, he's most critical to those people. And those are the people that we see over and over and over again that, that Jesus is kind of calling out and insulting. He goes on uh, a little bit further down. He says, woe to you experts in the law because you've taken away the key to knowledge. Yourselves have not entered and you have hindered the entrance of others. Think if you're a teacher, if you're someone who is supposed to be telling people something that they should know, that in itself, that line, it's got to be the greatest indictment. You yourselves have not hindered, entered, and you've hindered the entrance of others. Not only have you lost the point, not only have you forgotten it, but you're hindering the entrance of others. You're loading people down with burdens that they cannot bear. It's like over and over. Jesus is very patient. Jesus is very kind to people who are earnestly seeking God, people who want to be a part of this, people who are trying to follow. But those who claim to already know, Jesus doesn't have very much patience for. It was almost about five years ago, like to the day, maybe to yesterday, I was moving my wife um, well, my then fiance from her home in Fort Myers uh, up to um, Lake Wales, where we would like live together. So um, in this time, we had to gather all of our stuff. So I came down in my blue 2006 Chevy Silverado, and I had a U-Haul in the back of it, and uh, swung down to Fort Myers, and I helped her finish boxing her stuff, loaded up, and then I drove it back to Lake Wales. Um, my wife who is not here, whom I, I love very dearly, um, but since she's not here, I can talk about her. Um, she's a very sentimental person. Like, she cares a lot about, like, people, about, like, a, a lot of things, but I had never seen that sentiment quite play out, like, in material things. 
So uh, as we're, we're boxing up her stuff, everything we're boxing is super important. Like, like everything had a fragile sticker on it. Everything like, was like, oh, well, I, I can't leave that behind. Like certainly we have to get that, put it in a box, we're gonna take it. So um, me and my very, very, uh, I don't know, passive aggressive nature, I, I started with jokes like, oh, huh, I guess we're taking everything, right? Ha, 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 ha. And, and then it kept going, and then, like, the jokes, like, no longer were, like, even, like, trying to be funny. It was just, like, so we're taking that. Great. And I'm, like, five years ago, so what was I, 23, 22? Like, I, I didn't have a lot of stuff. Like, I was, a, like, a single guy. Like I, like, I had a box. Like, I had a bag of clothes. So, like, anything that we were bringing into this house, I was, like, yo, like, we don't have a ton of space. We can't take all of this stuff. Uh, so, finally, all of these emotions kind of boiled over to a head. Uh, when I opened her closet... And there she had, like, the, the girl, like, makeup, like, whole station, the mirror, the makeup beside it, all of that. Uh, on top of it were these, uh, was a vase, and it had, like, actively decaying flowers in it. Like, and at that point, <laughs> the straw had finally broke for me, and I turned around, and I was like, yo, like, like for real, like, this, like these, these are going bad, like, right now, and you're, we're keeping these? Um, and uh, she, <laughs> she looked at me and said, yeah. I was like, well, where, where did you get those? She's like, those are uh, a set of flowers you brought me one time when you just came down to visit. And it meant so much to me because it wasn't my birthday. It wasn't Valentine's Day. We weren't going on a date. Like, nothing special was happening. You just brought me flowers. <sighs> Man down. <laughs> Um, so the worst part was like, they weren't even nice flowers. Like they were three for 12, like Publix flowers where you have to build your own bouquet. Like, and I can remember when I bought them, I remember giving them. Um, but what I didn't know and, and what I hadn't accounted for was how much those meant to her because it wasn't about flowers. You know, the, the flowers were irrelevant to the situation. What it was was this, like, reveal of my heart and my love to her because I just wanted to get her flowers. Now, that has a different feel to it. If uh, come Valentine's Day or come her birthday, I just bring her flowers and I'm like, hey, it's Valentine's Day. Here you go. It's your birthday. You know what that means. Here you go. It doesn't have the same heart to it. The thing that is given out of obligation or social norm doesn't mean nearly as much as the thing that is given just from your heart. Not the flowers at all. There's this um, meditation, um, which is a verse in the Bible, but it's also kind of like one of the building blocks of the Hebrew faith. Uh, it's in the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, chapter 6, verse 4, uh, goes like this. Uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments I give to you today, they are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk on the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols to your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house. What did Jesus say to the Pharisees? You honor me with your mouth, but not with your heart. Woe to you Pharisees, because you are like a 
dish that is clean on the outside, but dirty on the inside. Woe to you Pharisees, because you do the right thing, but you neglect the heart behind it. Woe to you Pharisees, because you buy the flowers, but only because you have to. God doesn't want empty ritual. God wants your heart. God doesn't want you to show up to the building. God doesn't want you to wear the suit and to dress nice because that's what you should do. God wants your heart. God doesn't want empty ritual. Amos 5.21 puts it this way. I hate, I despise, and this is God talking, by the way. Uh, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you have brought choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regards for them. Away with the sounds of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Let justice flow like a river and righteousness like an empty or like a stream, like a never failing stream, sorry. Empty rituals are just that. They're empty. They don't have meaning. There's nothing tied to them. When I come to church on Sundays, um, and, and I'm lucky enough to, to be here a lot, uh, I'm lucky enough to work here, um, and I, I come on Sundays and I get to stand in the back most weeks or I'm out doing stuff, but you go into the kids' area and you see the kids laughing and playing and learning about Jesus, and we come in here and we see the lights and we see the stage, we hear the worship songs and how great they are, and then come up here and you listen to a message and that's all great and that's all good and I'm not saying that it's bad but it's not the point and we can get really really involved with ourselves if we start to believe that this is the point because church isn't a building church isn't Sundays church isn't worship it's none of that church is a group of people that are wanting to align themselves with Jesus. And the good news is, um, if you're here today and you're tired of the judgment from people, if you're tired of all the meaningless rules, if you're tired of all the junk, the good news is we are too. And the better news is, so is God. <laughs> God doesn't want any part of it. And the people and, and when we as people begin to go through the motions and when we start to lose the heart behind all of this, any of the things that we're doing here on Sunday, that's when we begin to lose the point and the focus of what we're doing here. When we start to go through the motions, when we buy the flowers just because we think that's the thing to do. And we begin to put ourselves in a really, really dangerous place, and we see it a lot in the New Testament, and we can still see it today over and over again, when we begin to confuse religion with God. When we make religion our God, we start to miss everything. We start to lose the point, and we become, and we can put ourselves in a place where it is really, really easy to say, you don't want anything to do with either. So, what I want you to remember is Sundays are great. I love them. I love worship. I love communion. I love the message. But it's not the point. 
those are all reminders of the point. Those are all things that are supposed to be pointing us to the fact that there's a God out there who is big enough to create everything, everything that we see, us here today, this moment. And that God in his infinite wisdom and in his bigness said, hey, I don't want to just be up here. I don't want to just be reserved from you. I, I want to be with you. So that God took flesh, came down and lived among us and died on a cross. And then three days later, that God defeated death and rose again. That's the point. The point is to line ourselves with the beauty to open our hearts to the hurting in the world around us. I mean, go back to that verse in Luke. Um, what is, Jesus tells the Pharisees, but for you, what is inside of you, be generous to the poor and everything will be cleansed. It's as simple as that. Now, I look around the room. I remember my friend. I remember... 9.30 at a McDonald's in Lake Wales, I remember that this isn't the point. At any point in our humanity, it can become very easy for us to start to operate out of obligation. But following the divine is about loving the Lord your God with all of your heart. the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love the Lord your God with the entirety of your being. Have you ever felt like or have you ever noticed that sometimes when it comes to faith and church and religion, there's this sense of obligation or some sort of holy duty to this thing. We show up because we're supposed to. We show up because this reason or that reason. And, and sometimes, like Mitchell says, we just kind of miss the point. I love what he said about his wife and the flowers, that illustration. Here, honey, I got you this because I'm supposed to. Here, sweetie, I got you this because however many years ago, I, I made a commitment and I have this contractual obligation called marriage. And so I figured this should speak to me honoring that contract. You can absolutely maintain a relationship based on obligation. But the question is what kind of relationship will it be? What kind of relationship will it be? What kind of relationship do you want? You know, you can, you can uphold that contract with your spouse and you can go through the motions because you're supposed to. You have this obligation to this person. But without love, what that thing becomes is you just become good roommates. We take care of paying the bills and we split the household responsibilities. Without love, you can maintain that relationship, but what kind of relationship will it be? God says, I don't want your religion. He says, I want your 
heart. God says, I, I want you to bring me the flowers because you want to. And, and really, it's not about the flowers. It's about the heart behind all of it. So for us today, each of you should have received this flower as you came in the door. If you didn't get one, uh, raise your hand and somebody will come to you. And what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to think of this flower as kind of an outward uh, expression of yourself. I'd like you to think of this flower as a visual representation of your heart. And so what I'd like to do today is I'd like you to take this and I'd like you to take a moment to think and to pray, to be here, and, and to think about where are you at in your relationship with God? Has your relationship become something that is obligation? Because if how you live and breathe and move in this world is all about, well, I have to do this because I'm carrying this contract that I made with this God and is that what it's based on? Because if that's what it's based on, he's calling you to so much more. It's so much more than a loveless marriage. It's so much more than just I have to do these things and this is what a good Christian looks. It's bigger than that. So I'd like you to pray about where are you at today with God? And so here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to take this few minutes and to pray about this. And then as we go into this closing communion thought time, this response time, I'd like you to respond in some sort of way with this. Maybe today you're here, and for you, maybe that passion that you used to have when you first came to know Christ, maybe that's waned a little bit. Oh, maybe you know a lot more about the Bible now. That's great, but is there this sense of love and connection behind that? Maybe today you, you've been doing this whole church thing out of obligation and some sort of duty, and maybe it's time to like rekindle the heart behind it. So what I'd like you to do is, if that's where you're at, maybe today as we go into this time, you take your, your, your heart here, and you come and you place it at the foot of the cross. Lay it next to it, lean it, whatever you want to, set it, you set it next to the foot of the cross, and you let it be a reminder that you want to rekindle this relationship, and that you want to get back to that sense of awe and wonder and love in that relationship with God. Maybe today you're here and, and, and you have that sense of love and, and you're in a place where you go, I, I get it, I understand it, I love God, I still feel this passion, excitement about this thing, but maybe, maybe today you're here and you're dealing with just the heaviness of life. And so maybe your heart is just feeling this pressure of the weight of the world and situations you're dealing with and, and you feel this burden that you're carrying with us. I want to challenge you today to take your flower and take it and place it over on the prayer wall. Stick it in there, lay it on the table, whatever it is. And let that be a reminder that this week there will be people praying for you, over you, praying for your heart, praying for the burdens, the stresses, the, the anxieties that you're carrying with you. And, and, and that you can have a sense of peace this week knowing that your heart is in God's hands and other people are helping to uh, come alongside you and support you in that. Maybe you're here today and you're really wrestling and struggling and doubting with this whole God, church, religion thing and you're not quite sure what you're ready to do with your heart, with this deep sense of who you are. Maybe, maybe you, maybe you can just take this flower and you just take it with you today. 
You take it to your house, you put it somewhere that you can see it, and let it be a reminder that regardless of where you're at with God, is that God still loves you. And maybe that's what you need to be reminded of this week, is that you are a child of God and he loves you and he will be pursuing you and he will want nothing less than a relationship with you, but he allows you to choose because he is love. And love does not force people into things. Maybe you're here today and you've never given your heart to God. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus and accepted him as your Lord and Savior. Maybe, that, maybe that's what you need to do today. And so I'm gonna be right up here in the front and if you need to have a conversation, if you don't understand what this means or maybe you've had this feeling like, man, I've been through so much, my heart just needs something, I need some sort of renewal. Yeah, come, let's talk about that. There's this God that loves you very much who sent his son, who gives you this thing called the Holy Spirit, who then sits inside of you and helps to heal and restore and guide and counsel and all kinds of wonderful things. So maybe that's you today. So wherever you're at, I want to challenge you. We're going to think, pray, and then respond. Where are you at in this relationship with God? And what is the thing that's driving it? Is it holy obligation? Or is there a sense of love and passion and connection? As we go into this time, we also have our communion station set up on the sides of the building. We have a gluten-free option on the back. If you cannot get up, you can raise your hand and somebody will come to you. We celebrate this time because we're reminded of the God who is love. The God who looks at you and he says, wherever you're at with your heart, he still loves you. And he loves you so much that he sent his son and that whosoever believes in him may have eternal life. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me and I will restore and renew your heart. Come to me. And let's rekindle this relationship. So we're going to take this time. We're going to celebrate this meal. We're going to take the, the bread and the juice, which represents the body and the blood of Jesus. This meal that reminds us of God's endless love. This communion, which is this common union between us and God and between us as believers. He invites us into this thing out of love. You see, the goal in all of this, as Mitchell said, is not religion. The goal is relationship. And so as we think and pray about these flowers and as we step into this time of communion, it's all about the relationship. Your heavenly Father, your creator, wants to have your heart. He doesn't want to force you to do these things. He doesn't want to force you into relationship with him. He wants you to come to him willingly with this openness, with this openness to love, to embrace the love that he is, that he has given to you, that you can experience. I mean, even Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. Come, come, come. Life can be difficult. Life can be heavy. We can get into patterns and routines. We can get into, we just go through the motions. Well, I read my Bible because I'm supposed to, and if I don't, I feel guilty. That's obligation. Well, I guess I should talk to my wife today. 
It hasn't been, it's been a few, few days since we've had a, a heart to heart and I, I imagine she's probably getting upset since I haven't asked how she's feeling since I have, no, no. There should be this desire within me to have that conversation out of the love that we have for one another. That as we go through this life, we're sharing and connecting in this moment so that we know more fully what this love is so that we can have a deeper sense of connection. And that's the thing that God wants from you. So we're gonna give you some space here, some time. Pray, where are you with this? Where is your heart? Let this be the visual representation. And then respond. Do you need to rekindle that relationship? Do you need the prayer, this, you're carrying this weight? Do you need just prayer over your being, your heart? Do you need to take this with you and let it be a reminder that God loves you wherever you are? Or do you need to come and have this conversation about receiving the love of God and stepping into this relationship with him for the first time? And then take your time, get communion. You don't have to rush, you don't have to jump up. We have time here. Think, pray, sit in this moment. Dear Lord, we're so very grateful for today. We're grateful for uh, the word that Mitchell has spoken. God, forgive us when we get so caught up in ritual and religion that we miss the point. Forgive us when we prioritize the religion over the relationship. God, speak to our hearts deeply in this moment. Let it sink in. God, give us a, a clear mind to assess where we're at. Give us a boldness and a courage to respond appropriately. God, we're grateful that you have sent your son, Jesus, that through him we may come to this time that we get to celebrate your love, that we celebrate this meal, that we come to this common union between us and you, between us and one another. God, we thank you that through Jesus we may have eternal life, that through him there is forgiveness and freedom that there is a renewal of the heart that's possible. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray, amen.